welcome to the Intuitive Eating and Body Positivity Podcast. I'm Terry and I'll be talking about all things intuitive eating, body positivity and health at every size, and shaking off weight stigma, diet culture and food rules so that we can all have a better relationship with food and our bodies. I let me just start by saying welcome to Sophia. Uh, Sophia is a long-standing member of my Eat From Within membership and a personal coaching client and is no longer working with me because she's had this glorious journey through intuitive eating and um, no longer needs it, which is brilliant. And for those of you who are long-term Eat From Within members who are thinking, I don't remember anybody called Sophia in my membership. Let me just say that this is a stage name, if you will, um, just to protect identity because we like anonymity in our in our membership and we don't kind of share personal stuff outside. So that's why if you are a member, you don't recognize the name. So Sophia, welcome. Hi Terry. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. I just absolutely love your story. And I think there's loads in there for people to to take from. So give us a bit of an introduction. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm quite excited to share it. So um, I'm in my early 50s. um, And um, most of my life is great and has been great, apart from food. So, you know, I've got a job, husband, lovely family and everything. Um, So it's you know, I would say, well, it'd be 40 years now since I started having problems with food. Um, And I had um, problems in my childhood, quite, you know, abusive and one thing or another. And that led me to food, which was what can you get at 12 years old and not onwards that you can use to sort of cover up things and escape. Um, And then I got in the treadmill of dieting and um, every diet you'll have heard of and very unhealthy ones as well as in brackets, dare I say, healthy supposed diets as well. Um, And been looking for alternatives and ways out of it probably for when I realised it wasn't good for me. That's probably, you know, 25 years ago that I just thought I need an alternative. And so, so it has taken a long time, but I don't think it's about necessarily taking a long time. It's about finding the right support and the right information. And things have changed a lot you know, in the last 10, 20 years in people's, particularly for women, approaches to food and views of women's bodies and things, which is good. So it's probably the right time as well as, you know, I've managed to get the right information and support for it. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? There's there's stuff that happens in our life that makes us rely on food. That's normal for a lot of people. There's lots of reasons why we would turn to food as a comfort and as a support and a, as something we can control. There's loads of reasons. And even if you don't feel like you have major issues with food, it's so easy to fall into dieting. And and like you say, it took you a little while to find something that you needed to do and a change that you needed to make. But you don't know when you're deep in it for such a long time that that's what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a lot of people will resonate with the fact that dieting isn't so difficult when you start And then it gets harder every time and and you can stick at it for shorter periods, probably because that's your body protecting you in a good way. Um, And then inevitably, you know, you will eat 
a lot more when you come off the diet, whatever you're following, and then there's the guilt. And then I think that's what leads for some people to self-hate, um, hurting yourself mentally because of your lack of so-called willpower, when actually it's your body saying, feed me, feed me, I need sustenance to survive. And hate of your body for me because that was the barometer of how well I was doing, whether it was getting smaller. And, and regardless of what size it was when I started the, a particular diet, it was, you know, that was my barometer of day-to-day um, happiness. And, you know, that's not a good way to be. So I think for me and, and the, the worst, in a way, I still feel shocked that I'm out of the cycle that was every day waking up um, and it is like an addiction. So every day waking up and, you know, when you have that memory of I'm awake and you remember what yesterday was and whether it had been a good, in inverted commas, eating day or a bad one. And then the associated anxiety or exhilaration would come in. And then regardless of what it was, good or bad in my mind, my I would start rigorously planning the day in my mind in terms of eating and can I get away not eating till now, have I got an event where there's going to be a buffet or a party or a birthday cake? And the real anxiety and pain that went with that, which to people who are not in this, it may seem unusual, um, you know, and not something that most people would recognise or resonate with. Um, So that was all encompassing. And now I feel like there's all this space to fill, this freedom. So, you know, you still have the life ups and downs you know things not working and work being stressful and one thing another and general things and you know arguments with your family or whatever but it was like there was this overshadowing negativity totally around my relationship with food and obsession with food um in a way that just wasn't healthy and it's you know it's it's in a way, some ways it's amazing how long some of us survive with that um, day to day and I don't mean we're not going to survive but what I mean is we don't recognize really how deep we are in it I think it's like you said you don't realize when you're um, deep in it till you come out of it um, and you know I hope everybody and you know people that are listening that can recognize it is possible because I really believed it wasn't and I think when I first started talking to you Terry you probably realized that I didn't believe you were going to be able to help <laughs> me at all or there was anything I could do no, it's um, it's the story for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's it. Yeah, right at the beginning, I don't think I don't think anybody really believes that there is a way out. Like you say, I don't think anybody really believes that they're fixable, that their issues will ever be resolved, that they will ever find a way to be relaxed around food and to appreciate their body. Um, but you know, you're you're one of many many people that are testament to the fact that you can yeah exactly and um you know if you'd have said that to me before about other people being able to do it I'd have, I'd have been thinking oh they can do it but I can't because I'm especially bad which you know is, is silly really when I look back at it um and I think that a lot of it is to do with self-trust and I think a lot of people and again you know specifically women but not always women you know you hear that line that you know, I'm capable in my job, you know, I've got a reasonably good job, I've progressed, I can manage day-to-day things, I can multitask, I can, you know, make things work, I can do my hair, put on makeup, do everything, but I can't handle this one thing and it seems strange, but really it is your body and your mind fighting you um, and for the, for the right reasons that, 
you know, it's just not good for you, which is, I think, the missing piece that, you know, other things that you manage in your life, you know, like, you know, you might persuade yourself to stay working till nine o'clock at night to get a report done that needs to be in the next day. You might detest it, but you can give yourself that oomph to do it because you know it's worthwhile and, you know, you can relax the next day or something. But with food, I think your body's pushing back in every way and, and you know, that that's why it's so difficult to control in that real forced way when you can do it naturally. And, and that's the big thing, that the whole words intuitive eating and, and, and I read the book years ago I think when the first edition came out um, and I was like oh these 10 steps it's too complicated and again I can't do it in one thing or another um, and wanting to ra- race to the end and think oh I'll just do the gentle nutrition because that's like a diet <laughs> like that, and really not yeah and it's much simpler than that um, you know and I think I said to you that it does feel like a bit like you know, being in a swimming pool with inflatable armbands on or being on a bike with stabilising wheels and scared to take them off. So you need a written food plan or you need to be giving up carbs or you need to be, you know, someone writing you out and weighing you every week. Um, but if you just let go, like taking off the armbands when you've been swimming for a while, you will float and, and you know, you can ride the bike. And the word intuitive eating is exactly it. It's just about trusting that, food once it stops being an obsessive excitement in your life you might have a bit like a hamster when it gets off a wheel it keeps going for a while so there might be that period where it seems like the most exciting thing but actually now in a way you slightly miss the excitement of the food because you know you can go in a shop and look at any food whether it's cakes ice cream packet of ham lettuce and it's just there it's just food um and it is. It is incredible. It is. It's not short of astounding, I would say. And I know I'm sounding like I'm over-egging it here, but it is just just not such a big thing in your life. And, you know, I've occasionally forgotten that I'm hungry, which isn't great because you want to eat, but never done that before. You know, I'd be counting the minutes to whenever my designated weighed measured snack or meal was. <laughs> but, you know, not anymore. Definitely not. Would you say that was it for you? Were you excited by food before? I think so. Yeah, it was. It was like a a kid at Christmas. Like, well, it was excited and hate. It was the ultimate love-hate relationship. So um, if I'd be excited that I'd only eaten the specific foods, you know, in the 80s it had been cottage cheese and lettuce and then later on it had changed when it's whatever the diet food was. Um, mm, but then also yeah. excited when I felt I'd fallen off the wagon if I was going to an event and there'd be a buffet and cakes and that, you know, it was almost overwhelming. So, you know, parties or, you know, events with food, whether it's a work event, were... Um, I didn't remember any of the people or the conversations or I'd avoid them just to get back to the buffet table. If I met. And that, that's sad, you know, sad in the old fashion, you know, as in, you know, it's really sad to think someone's doing that and, um, you know, not engaging with the situation and other people and just enjoying it and, and just thinking about food um, and one thing and another. So, yeah, I think um, I was excited by it and now I'm not, but it's fine. But you can still have that appreciation. There's a difference between obsessive and excitement and feeling hungry and looking at a menu and think, what do I fancy? And, you know, either not looking for the healthiest or not looking for the richest, as in, you know, the richest food that you can get because you're not. And just actually really thinking, what do I want? And I think one good thing to mention is you can still have 
food rules and, and I hate using the word rules but what I mean is so for example someone who's vegetarian you know you're not going to think of eating animals um, and that is a different relationship or if you've got an allergy to denying food because it's that control thing so I think you could still think like I will not eat a lot of bread at lunchtime or pasta because I know I'll be tired in the afternoon when I've got meetings but that's not the same thing um, you know, you can still make decisions based on how you feel, particularly once you get into the mode of it. You might want to choose foods that you think are going to make you feel better. And again, not reading about them, not looking them up, not seeing what's the world's, you know, the current superfood, which we all know is a bit of a myth in some ways anyway. But just mm. thinking what yeah. will make me feel good now, you know, and if it is an evening and you're out for a meal and, you know, you want to have a dessert, well, you know, who cares if you feel tired after it because you're having fun and you're going to go home to bed. So things like that, you know, it's not that because I know there's some people, um, practitioners who the way intuitive eating is put across is very much like eat everything inside as much as you want. But, you know, and I've looked at that approach, but I find that confusing and also um, not thinking about you as a whole and your health, if that makes sense. It's about working out what's right for you without denying things, if that's not too complicated. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I think that's why the the gentle nutrition aspect is left till quite late in the day with intuitive eating. Because if you'd have come to me with these issues with food and your body saying, but I only want to eat healthily, that's that's right. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to eat healthily. But first of all, what we have to do is look at your relationship with food and your relationship with your body. And there's a time and a place in the process to start looking at the nutrition and the the health and stuff behind it. It's a funny balance, isn't it? I mean, when you said about eating bread at lunchtime, for example, and how it makes you feel sluggish in the afternoon, I resonate with that. If I have a jacket potato at lunch, I'm asleep. Yeah, exactly. And that's a good thing to recognize. That's part of the intuitive process is knowing how your body feels with food. But God, I don't know about you, but do you remember being on a diet and being unwell? And being too worried to have things like throat lozenges and lemsip yes. and stuff like that because of, you know, the calories and things like that. There's a time and a place to to be worried about what you're eating. Yeah, and the effects of that. And I remember like not having cough sweets unless I could find the exact shop that had sugar-free ones and when they were quite hard to get and I had to find a Holland and Barrett and things and it's just, you know, <laughs> all the time when I'm feeling ill. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can empathise with yourself. Yeah, but yeah, the lengths we go to, exactly, yeah. And I think another thing I was going to mention, I was just going to give you an example of a scenario that um, that happened a few months ago um, with my husband. I think I mentioned this to you. And um, I'd been through something that was quite personal and traumatic. Um, and I was quite upset and crying in one thing and another. And I thought, I'm not going to work this afternoon. You know, I turned the afternoon off work. And I said to my husband, do you know what I want? I want to go to the, the cafe in the park. And my husband said, OK. So we went up there and I, did, I ordered... Um, you know, it was just something off the menu. It was just a meal. I think it was like a, a, a vegetarian English breakfast or something. And, and I really enjoyed it and I didn't finish it. And what was interesting after it and, and you know, I came back and I said, I'd said to him, I really enjoyed that going out, not having to cook, having something that was a bit of a treat. Um, and he said, you know, before you went, I thought I was sort of reverting back into 
maybe what I would have done that was, you know, wanting to just eat everything in sight or having five desserts or something, you know, slight exaggeration, but not far off. And it was that what I call destructive um, eating for me, um, rather than something that I was genuinely enjoying and acknowledging that I've been through a stressful time and, and nice food and a treat meal, you know, and it wouldn't matter whether it had been a dessert or a main course. It was the fact that I could eat it, I could be satisfied, I could stop um, and it was feeling right for me. And so I thought that was quite interesting that my husband had that feeling and he was saying, you know, it, it may have needed what you wanted to do or a few months ago, that would have been what you needed to do. Um, and I just thought, wow, yeah. And I didn't really realise. Yeah. And, you know, so it does affect people around you as well. You know, even if they're empathetic with you, it still does affect other people in your life. Yeah. And we can have the most supportive friends and family partners but you know it's not something you can just switch on and off is it that's the problem so as much as we know well we might not even know that it's affecting them but you know even if we know that it affects them it's it's hard to understand that when you're deep in it because everything is about you know you I know we had lots of conversations didn't we in our time about um visits to cafes and things like that um do you want to share what that might have looked like at the beginning compared to what it looks like now? Well, yeah, I think it was actually me trying to get you to give me the um, confidence to go to a cafe um, because, you know, putting it bluntly, I would probably go to a cafe and pick the biggest usually piece of cake, even if I didn't really like it that much, and then probably get another one to take and have later and then I'd just avoid it completely and and you know friends quite rightly think oh an afternoon you know well not a whole afternoon but a couple of hours break in a cafe whether you're at work or home can be really nice but I would be terrified of it and avoid it at all costs um whereas now you know I can take it or leave it and just go in and you know, maybe have a drink without eating something. And if I did that, I'd feel like I was really missing out because, you know, somebody's buying they always go, oh, do you want a cake or a biscuit? And now I can think, mm, no, actually, I don't. Um, and have a nice coffee. And then if you do, that's fine as well. But, you know, and, and again, it would overtake the whole interaction of the person I was with, particularly if they did get, you know, a treat with their coffee and things like that. So, and we, yeah, it was funny. We did have quite a lot of chats about that, didn't we? And then trying it and trying it in different ways, trying to enjoy it and allow myself gradually to, to um, you know, eat something because I wanted it and I was allowed it and it was a tr- treat, but that's fine. And, you know, how much of it. But I really got stuck with how much of it I should be eating, um, you know, whether I wanted it all or not. It was all that, you know, and, and that was the lack of trust of myself and the lack of the intuition in my eating definitely. Did you find that frustrating? Because for me as the coach, I could see that you were making such excellent progress and you were making all these steps forward and there was a little bit of progress each time. Yeah. Did you find the process frustrating? Interestingly, I don't think I did because I was so grateful for any progress and didn't think it was going to work anyway. For me, for me, not about you, not give it the right guidance that I didn't see it as frustrating I just saw it as sort of exploratory and the fact that any progress was so amazing so that's interesting so maybe some people would but now that's the way I saw it yeah that's that's really good I'm really pleased 
yeah, like you say, some people would find it frustrating and think that, you know, there needs to be major strides in progress. But what you've said is right. Any progress is progress. And you've just got to take these baby steps towards feeling more comfortable. Hmm. Yeah. I I think another thing that's, um, you know, linked with this as well is, you know, we all like to look nice and as good as we can. And um, that isn't linked to, you know, whatever your ideal view of what, or maybe old ideal view of what a body shape and size should be, whether that's based on media or, you know, sometimes hear from people, it's the mother's influence or you know, someone else in the family. Um, but so I would, if I was feeling, you know, the way I saw myself from one day to the other, and it's probably, you know, body dysmorphia is the way of describing it, depending on what I was eating. The same body in the mirror would look horrific to me the day after I'd eaten something I thought I shouldn't. And, and again, that's really sad for people if they also experience that. And, you know, I would make an effort to get ready, but I'd what seems now really obscure to me, I'd feel paranoid on like public transport. I wouldn't want to catch eyes with anybody, which, you know, when I look back at it, I think, wow, you know, um, that was really unusual in a way, you know, I'm trying to be polite to myself. I probably think a lot worse than that. Um, but really that, the, the, you know, the way that the, how your body looks becomes less important. It's more about, you know, within your budget, what can you buy, whether it's from Vinted or Sainsbury's or Versace. <laughs> I'm not Versace, by the way. You know, something that suits you and you like. Uh, and, you know, you could put makeup on, do your hair or not, but that confidence and that who you are isn't based on you know your body shape and size and whether you're a bit bloated because you haven't eaten for ages and suddenly you eat a lot and things and and other people don't see it um you know and, and there's always people who make comments about how people look well you look really nice or you've lost weight or they won't mention when you put on weight one thing or another but really none of that matters to you um at least when you get to that stage because you know, it might be saying something about them and their insecurities about how they look. And we all know that, but it still can be quite hard to grasp. And, and But when you're in that position that you really know it's not important and it's not who you are, um, and, and usually how the majority of people see you, it, it doesn't matter. And I don't think it matters, you know, as people be aware, it's not whatever size you are as well so it's not like oh well it's easy for someone who's smaller or not it's you know it's it's about the perception of yourself I think and that's another important shift as well as the food relationship it's that that's really important where do you think um you sat on the sidelines in your own life when you were feeling like that what did you miss out on or what did you not take part in you know that sort of thing what do you think um I'd sometimes not take up invitations for nights out or meals out just from sheer fear of the menu you know even if you can check the menu in advance um I'd even do things that were risky and and when I'm saying risky like I'd be late quite considerably late for work meetings because I wanted to go and eat more and and, and that you know I was thinking at the time what are you doing you know you're making basically lying at the beginning of a meeting because I couldn't not do that and and you know and things like that so um probably you know stripping off in summer or going in a swimming pool or something like that and you know just because of how I felt about myself and um you know or even going for a gym session on a day where I think you know I was having a day where I'd eaten a bit 
too much. And so that meant, or in my mind, I'd eaten too much. So it made me feel unappealing and you shouldn't be in a gym. You know, you've messed up. You shouldn't be doing anything positive for yourself. So, yeah, so quite a lot, really, <laughs> when I think about it. Weeds its way into everything, doesn't it? The way we feel about ourselves. And you look back and you think, actually, you wouldn't want um, fr- a friend or a loved one. You wouldn't want them to miss out on those things. Yet you think it's okay for yourself when you feel like that. You f- it's almost like you think it's the best thing for all involved if I just don't go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think one thing I've sort of learned and picked up, you know, from your support, but other, you know, support from other people have spoken to one thing or another, but is the way that you talk to yourself is crucial. And and I think that whole concept of, you know, if you were a, a little toddler that you're looking down at, would you talk to yourself like that? You know, you wouldn't. And, and almost talking to yourself like that in your mind, um, you know, when something, when you do something that you think is irrational or bad or, you know, because there's a reason you're doing it, you know. You know, for me and many people, it's because I've yeah. probably been restricting food and my body was reacting back and my mind had got stuck in a certain way of thinking but you know treating yourself badly because of it isn't helping and it doesn't help you to get out of it it doesn't help at all quite the opposite no so what did you find um easy about well I don't know did you find anything easy about the process but what did you find easy what did you not find easy about the whole process in terms of the way I felt, not not using the word easy, but actually looking forward to chatting to you in the sessions we had booked, um, but also really enjoying the group sessions because it's knowing other people are in the same boat. And after you get that, who oh, should have put my camera on and when should I speak in the first one? You know, it becomes, you know, relaxed and friendly and you're focusing on a certain topic and things like that. In terms of easy, I suppose the fact that there was no recording of food weighing of food measuring food getting a shopping list that costs a fortune and throwing everything out that you had before and wasting food so that was easy definitely that that was such a relief and easy that you know and and let's be honest every one of us um particularly those of us that have been dying know what a healthy meal is composed of and by healthy I don't mean a diet healthy I mean you know, it can be, you know, quite fatty or quite carb rich or whatever, but you know what a balanced meal is, you know, and you don't need it written down or weighed out. You know, you know what a portion is. And when your body settled down, it knows when it's full enough. Um, but it also knows if there's something really nice that you like, you might eat a bit more than full. Um, so that's easy as well. And um, that it's not that you know, that checking in with am I full yet and things. And, and I know that does come a bit into intuitive eating, but I know more recently in the book they've relaxed that because people got, and I know you're not necessarily just about the book page by page, but people were getting obsessed with that one to ten hunger scale, whereas now I think they've changed it to do I want, you know, something similar to do I want to eat more, do I not, and one thing or another, which, because otherwise that becomes that way as well. And it's just natural, you know, you just realise you put your and fork down whether that's finishing your plate or not, and you think, oh, I don't think I want any more of that, or I am going to save myself for cheese and biscuits at the end, or whatever, just because it's natural. You know, it's like in the same way that you don't think about breathing, um, you just do it. It becomes like that with food, you know, and, and, you know, I would think and hope that everybody listening to this isn't in a situation where you're in food poverty or you can't get access to food. So in some ways we are quite lucky, but... 
um, you know, you don't appreciate that and you don't realise that that abundance of food um, to, can make your life really easy because it's you can choose what you want when you want and easily get access to it. So, yeah, it is. So, yeah, those were the easiest bits, taking away that hideous weighing, measuring, planning, counting. <laughs> and it, 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 it takes your brain over. You haven't got time for other things. No, you you just spend your time thinking about food and thinking about exercise, thinking about clothes. Oh yeah, no, no. There's so much more in life of interest to think about and spend your time wondering about and worrying about and concerned about or you know enjoying. Yeah, it's it's so freeing, right? Yeah, it's that, that's it. It is. It's really freeing. It's just it is like lifting lead helmet of your head or something you know what I mean it's like whoa this is just what it should be like and it is possible I think that's I know I, know I sound like some infomercial from the 1990s or something but it is possible <laughs> it is possible for you too if I can do it you can it, it, it is you know but I really believe that say you were talking to somebody who was considering intuitive eating or considering working on their body or even considering going on another diet what do you think is the best piece of advice or a message would be for somebody just starting out I've put you on the spot now haven't I yes so I mean I suppose I'd try and find out what stage they're at so if it was someone who'd never embarked on trying to eat healthily or being on a diet or you know depending on their reasons I think I'd say I'd sort of want to say to them you know be careful if you're following a traditional and when I say traditional you know like getting into one of the slimming clubs or something like that um because of how it can become all encompassing and negative um and I would say to people maybe look at what food means to you day to day and why it means that and and is there something there is it that without realizing it you've been thinking for ages that oh I need to change what I eat so everything you do eat is loaded with guilt which can I think push you to maybe not caring about what you eat and eating the wrong things. Whereas if you just lighten that up and you're not there thinking, oh, I need to change my weight, I need to eat differently, I need to do this, I need to lose weight. I need... It, and it's a bit like to talk to people about exercise. You know, if you think, oh, I'm going to start exercising and that's seven days a week running for an hour and you've never walked out of, you know, further than the corner shop, you know, it's much easier to say, I'll do a 10-minute round the block before I get to the corner shop. And that's a start. And it's a bit like that in a way that, you know, it's just maybe planning meals and just, you know, thinking a little bit about the foods you're eating. Um, and But also I think looking for the guilt, I think that would be the biggest thing for me, looking for the guilt around food because I think that's the biggest thing. There's a lot to be said for digging into why you feel the way you feel around food and that that takes a bit of guidance for, for most people yeah. because yeah. if you don't know how to do it, it's really difficult and analyse why you feel the way you do about food. But I distinctly remember with you having a few moments where all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, I understand why I think that now. Yes. yes. Um, so, but it's it's so valuable when you can realise where your eating habits and your feelings about your body come from because it allows you to unpick it and reframe it yes, and, exactly. and put new truths to it. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose I'm making it sound easy now, but, you know, it took time. Um, but you know, even starting it was a real positive, you know, right from the outset. And I wouldn't say it was hard work. It was more just 
it took time to evolve, I think is the best way of describing it. Um, it wasn't like a real drudgery <laughs> meeting with you. <laughs> but you <laughs> well, I'm glad you feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean is the process wasn't, you know, like whether there was any homework in inverted commas or, you know, just this is what I'm going to try and do this week. It, it, it was much better than what I've been doing before, you know, definitely. And you're not on your own. That's the other thing, being on your own. So, you know, even if you are reading the right book on intuitive eating or mindful eating or whatever approach, on your own can be quite lonely. And it's not something you want to share with everybody, is it? It's not like you've taken up knitting and you want to show everybody the first scarf you've made. Oh, <laughs> oh sorry. Distraction. Sorry. Oh. Not, naughty husband <laughs> came in. Sorry, what was I saying? Yeah, so it's not like you want to show off you know, what you're doing that's new because, you know, it can be a bit awkward for you and other people. So, Yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of the the groups, actually, that we have is that when you come in, you can come in and be yourself for an hour. You can talk to the other people who know how you feel. Even if your experiences aren't the same, there is still that common ground of food or body concerns. And it's a space where you can just say what you want to say without worrying about people judging you. Mm. Because like you say, your friends and family, maybe they don't get it. Yeah. Why would they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you might find people who have had experiences, but they're telling you to do something that definitely worked for them. And it might not be right for you. And, and you know, dealing with yourself who's had experiences of lots of people and dealing with other people. You know, you can always find someone to say, oh, well, the only way to deal with this is. And, of course, you know, that might not be the only way or the right way for you. So that's another thing about No, I'm not saying don't tell other people. But, you know, I still have a friend at work who always, you know, I've got, I've got a really good friend. And she'll say, like, don't let her go to any events where there's lots of cake <laughs> if she's anxious. And she'll still, <laughs> she'll still make this joke. And now it's funny. but I mean, she won't say it everywhere. But, you know, <laughs> so that was my, that was her view of me (laughs) (laughs) it's funny isn't it and 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 she couldn't possibly know what you had going on with food not at all no not at all yeah she just thought it was a fun thing like you know your comfort eat if you're stressed out but she didn't know the bigger thing and again you know there's nothing necessarily wrong with that if you're going to say oh I do you know I feel like this and I'll take half an hour out like I said it but it's when it's part of this whole negative mental process for yourself and and sometimes you know you know almost dare I say self-harm with food and I know that sounds awful but I think that's what I could call it for myself at times um yeah yeah you're right so you had personal coaching with me alongside the membership so what do you think were the differences between the group and the personal stuff for you I mean I think it's like any situation where a group session is aimed at everyone and it's really useful in terms of learning and sharing experiences but of course there's only so much time and you know you you may not want to share everything in a group situation and also you don't want to dominate all the time so um I think that the group can be really beneficial in its own but the benefit of the personal coaching is that real one-to-one all about you and your story and, and the I would say quite accelerated progression from each session to each session um, and you're really good, Terry, at like reflecting back on what we discussed last time. And even now you're remembering things I didn't remember about the sessions we had. So 
I would think, you know, if anybody's thinking, oh, should I, shouldn't it, shouldn't I, what else will it give me? I'd definitely recommend it because, and, and in a way you sort of, I, would, I say, hold it to yourself, you deserve it, you know, because it just really makes it relevant to you and your day-to-day issues and life and so on and and your personal issues with food and, and, and you gave us little bits of homework to do which were good and try different things. So, yeah, that, that's definitely the benefit. Yeah, and there is still the option that you had in the membership to have it as a bolt-on. So there's the two tiers. There's the, the group coaching only and then there's the group coaching with a half hour a month with me personal coaching and I I agree I think it's a really nice mix then because you've got the support of a group but you've got dedicated space half an hour once a month to talk about things yeah it is I think that's it I think that's the perfect mix as you say that as in it's not just you and the coach which still can be isolated because you're the only one who's got the problem (laughs) and I use problem in to come us again but when you're in the group you can see and you know there's other people out there but there's something about being able to see people hear people and there's nothing like finding somebody who resonates with the same experience of you you know it's almost like being hit by a bolt of lightning I think I, I think I remember nearly being in tears of the, in a couple of the first mm-hmm. sessions just because you think oh my goodness it's like coming home it's like yeah. you know coming to something and everybody's situations are slightly different but you know, it's rare that you'd have that sort of conversation just by accident with a group of friends. And I know there's always the idea that, you know, it does tend to be women in this space, but not always that women talk more than men. But, you know, you still wouldn't have that naturally. It's the fact that the group had that purpose and people had come together because they wanted to get support for it in terms of intuitive eating. So, Yeah, it's a, it's a really lovely space, actually. It's a really nice like you say supportive space and people are free to to share and chat and yeah um, it's lovely oh this has been such a lot do you know we've been chatting for like 40 minutes already it's been lovely thank you no no thank you one last question before uh before we stop tell me what your absolute favorite food is now oh i would say a savory dish with a creamy sauce and i'm keeping that a bit open there aren't they but like last night i had corn fillets with you know a creamy milky sauce with mushrooms and onions in and it's just that oh it's a nice treat thing and it's you know and you can have it with veg and everything yeah that's interesting yeah, isn't it? Fit, but yeah the things i thought i loved probably just because i thought i couldn't have it yeah um so yeah it does change but yeah that, that'd be so so you know if anybody else to invite me to dinner there's lots of options there you know? <laughs> brilliant <laughs> brilliant oh do you know what thank you so much thank you for spending the time talking to me i think it's really useful for people to hear it from the from the perspective of somebody who's been through it and experienced it and has come out the other end because like you said you thought it was not possible and here you are living a really lovely lovely relaxed life and I'm just I'm just so over the moon for you I'm so so pleased with with how everything is materialized for you and I think I just want to say one more thing I sound like Colombo now don't I one more thing (laughs) what I think is worth mentioning is that this isn't you're not speaking to me now just after I feel like I've had the epiphany it's quite a long time after because you know any 
body with a past like main relationship with food you think oh this is the perfect day oh this is working this time and then a few months this is it feels real it's cemented it's not just one month after i've been intuitively eating it's long lasting which is the first time ever yeah you know i can say that for 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 42 years or something 40 years yeah because actually for context i'm speaking to you now about 12 months after you left me so actually we haven't just grabbed this meeting like oh just before you leave can you give me some happy words about intuitive eating this is 12 months later after you've started uh, stopped working on it and and that's incredible yeah and i think that's really important to, yeah. to you know note that it's long lasting <laughs> thank you i really appreciate that thanks so much isn't she the best she's so lovely i really miss having her as part of the group actually she's she's lovely 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 lady um to come on a podcast and talk about your story to talk in all honesty about food and your body is a big deal so Sophia I really thank you for your time Sophia had great great results in the membership and with the personal coaching and if you would like a little bit of what she had or a lot of what she had, then you can have that. You just need to join Eat From Within. The link is in the show notes. Um, Go there, find all the information. As you heard in the episode, there's two different tiers, so you can just have the group coaching if you want to, but if you want a little extra and if you want the mix that um, Sophia had with the group coaching and the personal coaching on the side, there's two options there for you. So Go look it up. The link is in the show notes. It's the Eat From Within membership. I'd love to have you there. It's so, so good. (laughs) Take care. I will speak to you next week. Um, Yeah, another great episode to come, right? Ta-ra for now.